Our scripture for today is from Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. Uh, Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves. And he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children." This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In the scripture, we have several stories where um, Jesus is uh, serving meals to different people. And it's it's amazing to to see the the similarities as far as his actions during these meals. And so I wanted to read also from uh, the gospel of Luke here, just so you can see some of the similarities here. And this is from Luke 24. And starting with verse 28. And as they came near the village to which they were going, Jesus walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly saying, stay with us because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, he blessed it, broke it and gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. Amen. <clears throat> so as we take some time just to pray and, and meditate on, on these passages, uh, think about the, the nature <clears throat> of the meals that you participate in, not only in communion, which we'll have in a little while here, but your, your meals at home as well. Do you notice God's presence <clears throat> in that meal? Is there transformation that takes place while you are being a part of that meal and serving it or eating that meal as well? So what is the the nature of that meal and and where is God's presence during that time as well? Let's just take a few moments to pray and to reflect on the meals that we serve and that we eat as well. Let us pray. Amen. Well, uh, after I graduated from high school many years ago, I, I got a, a call from Truett Smith. And Truett Smith was a member of our, our church. Uh, he was our, our local banker. He owned our, our bank. And he was very formal. He was one of the few people that came to church every Sunday. This is even outside of Dallas with a, a suit on. And, and even though uh, my family, uh, we would always sit next to to Truett in the same pew. And so we've been doing this for years and years and years, but I didn't really have that much of a relationship with him. We usually said good morning and, and goodbye, and, and that was about it. So I was surprised 
one day when Truett called me up after I graduated and invited me to lunch. And I was a little bit nervous as well. But I agreed to go to lunch with them, and we hung up. And as soon as I hung up, Truett called me back immediately. And he said, Craig, he goes, I forgot to, to tell you, wear a coat and a tie for lunch. <laughs> and in my mind, I go, who wears a coat and a tie to lunch? I, you know, I was hoping that we'd maybe get a hot link at the, at the gas station, but that wasn't it. He says, wear a coat and tie to lunch. He goes, I'm, we're going to go eat at the Oak Dinner Club. And I just started to panic. <laughs> I was nervous enough going to eat lunch with Truett, but didn't have to go to this formal lunch with him at, at a dinner club. And I remember pulling up there in his car, and we, we parked in front, and we stepped out, and, and there were the people, the, the valets parked the car. It was just, I was very uncomfortable, to, to say the least. And I was just a nervous wreck. Is there anything more terrifying then sitting down for a formal meal, and you're already uncomfortable with your coat and your tie or that, that fancy dress, and there's multiple forks and spoons and knives and, and dishes, and I was just sweating underneath, that, underneath that, that coat. And I had this real fear. Would I be rejected? Would I be judged if I used the wrong fork? I was terrified. And I remember I never did anything first during that meal. I just watched Truett and whatever he did, I did it. When the, when the waiter came and took our order, you know, it's one of those menus where you can't read the menu. I just said, I'll take what he has. <laughs> and I just followed everything he did during that meal. But I was worried I was going to be judged or condemned. Would the patrons of the Oak Dinner Club, would they be watching every move to see how I ate and what I did? Would, I, would they decide if I would be worthy enough to eat at their club? <clears throat> and I also had this fear, how would Truett treat me as well if I used the wrong utensil there? When I think about that, that lunch, communion in, quite, in many ways can be similar that we have a lot of fear <laughs> walking into a church and it's communion Sunday and will I be welcomed to the table? What are the rules? What is the protocol? And we have all these concerns about whether we will be accepted or not, whether we're worthy or not to go and have that meal. Well, communion is at the heart of worship <clears throat> and it's part of the, the mystery of God's love. And all of us are invited to the table. But we still might have that anxiousness. Are we going to truly be welcomed and accepted at the table? And we might wonder, like I did at that dinner club, if we are worthy and acceptable enough to participate in the meal. A meal with Christ. And a meal with our neighbors as well. Well, Holy Communion will always be a mystery, and that's what makes the meal so wonderful. We can touch it a little bit here and there, but it's just spending time in the mystery of God's love, God's grace, and God's acceptance. But during this meal, there is a pattern that helps us to understand it. 
at least it helps me shed a little more light on this particular meal. Well, Dom, and I'm going to borrow a lot here from uh, Eugene Peterson's book. It's called Living Resurrection. And he talks a lot about the meals. Not only that we eat at at church, but in our homes as well. And Dom Gregory Dix, uh, he was an Anglican monk uh, from England. And in 1941, he, he released this paper and he brought a whole new term into our language. And it was called the shape of liturgy. Of liturgy. It's describes the pattern of the Lord's Supper. But he dives into it much deeper than other people had in the past. When Jesus serves a meal, there's this pattern that he follows. And it's really pretty fascinating. And it's amazing. It has the potential to truly change our lives. In Matthew, in this passage that we just read, he feeds over 5,000 people. And he uses, the scripture uses these same four verbs over and over and over again. He takes the five loaves and the two fish. He looks up to heaven. He blesses it. He breaks it. And then he gives it back to his disciples to feed the people. In the passage, and then later on, he feeds 4,000, over 4,000 people. And he does the same thing with the food. He takes it. He blesses it, he breaks it, and then he returns it or gives it back to be eaten. In this passage I just read from Emmaus as well as the Last Supper on Holy Thursday, Jesus does the very same thing. He takes the offering, he takes the food, then he blesses it, he breaks it, and then he gives it back. And this is what Dom Gregory Dix called the shape of of liturgy. He takes, blesses, breaks, and gives back. And so what is going on here? Why is this so significant? Why could these actions and our acceptance of them, and if if we embrace them, how could this possibly transform our lives from the inside out? Because very consistently in these meals, Jesus takes what is offered. He blesses or he gives thanks. He breaks it and then he returns it or gives it, gives it back. Our lives <clears throat> can take on the shape of this meal. Every meal we eat, every meal, Jesus takes something that's very common. We usually eat at least three times a day. He takes something common and gives it the potential to be sacred and holy and transformational. And every meal we eat can be a mini sacrament, a transformative experience. We can have resurrection in every meal we eat. And when we come to our tables that we eat at during the day and throughout the week, whether it's the Oak Dinner Club or the P&D grocery store, our dinner table at home, the Mancus United Methodist Church, whatever table we go to, Jesus takes whatever we bring to him. Whatever we bring to the table, Jesus takes. And this is why it's so important to invite him to be the host of that meal. 
Jesus the Christ takes our bread, our fish. Jesus takes our strengths, our weaknesses. He takes our hunger, our thirst, our fullness, and our inadequacies. He takes our goodness and our failings. He takes all of this. And at every table we sit down to, we first of all bring ourselves, most all of ourselves. At every table we sit down to, we bring first of all and most of all ourselves. Think about that. It was nice when I went to that dinner club to put on that coat and that tie, but it kind of masked who I really was. But I was still present there at the table. Jesus takes all of us at the table. I call it warts and all. He takes all of us. Jesus blesses and he gives thanks for what we bring and who we are in our bringing. And whatever we bring to the table is lifted up in blessing and thanksgiving. And this is God's unconditional love and acceptance of us. Are we willing to bring all of ourselves to the table and surrender or turn that over to God? It takes courage. It takes trust to do that. He, we bring everything. I remember when I was sitting there at the dinner club, <clears throat> sweating <laughs> and nervous as all as I could be. Truett told me, he says, don't worry about all that silverware because I just wanted to treat you to lunch and I come here for the good food. <laughs> Not all the placings, but I love their food. And he says, don't worry about it. Just enjoy the meal. And that acceptance meant everything. And at all these meals <clears throat> where Jesus is, he does not criticize, condemn, or reject our offering. Can you imagine Jesus saying there's over 5,000 people and they say, oh, we have, uh, you know, just two fish and five loaves of bread. He, says, he doesn't say, what? Are you kidding me? That's all you have? I know you have to have more than that. He doesn't do it. He just generously receives the offering and blesses it. And this is the grace and the goodness of God. He blesses our offering and accepts us as we are. <clears throat> but then it's kind of interesting. And this is part of the mystery. After he blesses us and we know we are loved, we know that. After the blessing, Jesus breaks what we bring to him. He breaks that offering. All too often we come to the table with our best manners, which is not bad, and a pose of self-sufficiency, perfection, and purity. It's kind of all on the surface. But Jesus is after what is within. And he exposes the insides and our inadequacies. But he does this and we happens when we know we are loved. We know we are accepted. And what is actually broken? 
What is broken at this meal? Our pride? Our self-righteousness? The belief that we are somehow better than someone else and we justify our actions, whether it's our our anger or our violence toward them because we have to teach them? That self-righteousness is broken. Stinking thinking is broken. All these beliefs and all these attitudes that we've been hanging on and, and trying to justify, it is broken. The need to be right <clears throat> is broken. This is what is broken in the meal. And the, bre- and the breaking leads us to new life, to new action. And we simply call it, especially during the Easter, we just call it death and resurrection. Loss and renewal. Exile and return. In this language, I call it like church language. That's kind of hard to understand. I like the way Leonard Cohen didn't know that he was a theologian at times. (laughs) And he said, I think most of you heard this, there is a crack in everything. And that is how the light gets in. The brokenness is what allows the light to get in. And if I could add to that, our brokenness is what allows God's light to get out as well. It goes both ways. Psalm 51.17 says, A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. God doesn't reject us if our hearts are broken. Those ideas, those thoughts, those patterns that no longer serve us or the world. And Richard Rohr describes it. He just simply says, the shadow is named and then it is drawn into the light. And that darkness, when it's exposed to the light, it cannot exist. And the darkness disappears. And this is the mystery of the meal. Our, our personal, and it's not just about our personal shadow as well. But it's the shadows we have in our community in our nation, and in our world. And when we start breaking open these shadows and we start naming them for what they are, this is really a struggle. People say, why do you want to talk about that? Why do you want to bring that up? Because we haven't healed from that darkness yet. The shadows of slavery, genocide of Native Americans, the abuse of women, toxic masculinity. These are the things that are broken and brought to the light. And I kind of look at this time right now, we're doing a lot of shadow work. (laughs) Not only as individuals, but as a nation. Bringing things to the light so that they can be transformed. Do we have the courage to bring our brokenness to the table? And to let Christ take it and bless it, to break it open and return it to us. And this is happening at every level of society. God's Spirit working through our world. And so what is the good news? What is the good news in this this process, this pattern of life? What Jesus gives back to us is not the same as what we give 
to him. It's been transformed. It's been renewed. And we can see this on the cross. Jesus receives, while he's up there on the cross, he receives all the hate, all the anger, all the self-righteousness, all that bitterness, all that resentment. He receives it all. And what does he do? He returns love, compassion, and forgiveness. And that wisdom that there is a different way to live. And this is just continually going on. And if we believe in resurrection, in incarnation, if we believe that Christ is within us, not only does God save us, but God calls us to help Christ save the world. Where we receive all that gunk. But instead of returning gunk, we let it transform us and we return like Christ did Love, joy, peace, and patience. And this is all happening in this meal. That we give whatever we bring, and God returns love and grace. And we do this with a great amount of humility. Instead of judging people and how they might be wrong, we realize not only are they broken, but we are broken as well but we're also whole at the same time. And my prayer for all of us here today is that every meal we participate in, that we may slow down and think about what we are offering at that meal. And may it be a resurrection meal for us. May we let God take and bless and break and give back that grace and that goodness. And may we humbly be a part of the renewal of our society and our earth as we participate in that renewal through the meals we eat where God is the host. Amen.